All right, all right. Good morning. Y'all need to quit talking and find a seat, please. You can keep chatting after the service. We want to get things moving this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for staying for this special opportunity to hear from a number of our missions partners. And uh, our mission partners will be available after this service uh, to be able to chat further about their ministries and answer questions and interact with you all. And uh, so please take advantage of that time in just a bit. But come on in and grab a seat. Uh, What a blessing it has been this weekend to be together uh, and to hear how God is working around the world. Uh, Some of these incredible stories that we hear from our partners. And uh, it's reassuring, isn't it, that God continues to build his church, uh, that the gospel is continuing to go forth, and that the gospel is having an impact. Uh, If you wouldn't mind scooting into the middle of your rows this morning, uh, we have quite a bit of folks in the back that are still going to come in looking for a seat, so we'll need most of our seats here. So if you have some spots next to you in the middle and you don't mind scooting in, unless for some reason you have to get out early, we'd appreciate that, uh, just so folks can, can come in and they can get a seat. Appreciate that. Well, it's a special opportunity to be together today. We do have uh, two different opportunities of panels um, with eight of our missions partners that we'll be hearing from this morning. And so I think you're going to be encouraged and and blessed by that. We're also uh, thrilled to have this morning uh, Karen Silver with us. And uh, she uh, is uh, going to be leading us in our singing this morning. And we're so glad to have her here. She's from Karim El, uh, Karim El, a congregation in Haifa, Israel. Uh, she and her husband, Stefan, uh, live there. And Stefan's a pastor there at one of the churches. And he's visiting with us today, too. We'll hear from him in just a bit. Um, and you may have heard Karen before. You've led before in here with us. And so we're delighted to be able to uh, worship together again this morning. And uh, Karen has written some just incredible music, songs that are honoring and glorifying to the Lord. If you enjoy today and you and you want to continue that uh, in, in just worshiping along and some of the music that she has written, uh, you can find her music on Spotify and Apple Music as well. And so you can uh, look her up when you go from here and be able to continue uh, to be able to worship uh, through the, the music that she has written. And we appreciate her leading us today. Um, as I mentioned, we want our missions weekend to be glorifying the Lord, but also to give you opportunities to talk to our partners and ask questions and with them, and you're going to have opportunities to do that again this morning, not only during the service to hear from them, but afterwards at their tables. And so if you have not yet taken that journey around to the tables to meet our partners, please do that. Uh, you will be encouraged and you will be blessed by doing that. And so uh, we'd ask you to take advantage of those opportunities. Well, we want to keep things uh, this morning moving, and we have our panels, so we're going to be uh, making sure we get everything in. But let's begin with a word of prayer and commit this service and our time together to the Lord. Uh, God, we are so thankful again for your goodness and grace in our lives. And Lord, we're grateful uh, that we can worship together with brothers and sisters around the world uh, the same true living God. Uh, We have the same Savior, the only Savior, Jesus, uh, whom we worship and praise. And uh, we thank you for the common bond we have in Christ. Thank you for all of the testimonies that we have already heard of how you are at work around the world. I pray, Lord, that uh, these times together with our partners where we are encouraged, where we are challenged, where we can be a blessing to one another, uh, would be that which stirs all of us to be faithfully representing Christ. Uh, Lord, that we would be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. 
and that we would point all glory and honor back to him. Uh, he has the name that is above every name. And so we worship you today. We thank you for the privilege to worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we begin Amen. our service. Amen. So it's such a privilege to be with you all. And hopefully we'll give you a little bit of taste of Israel and Hebrew in this uh, short time of worship. So those are songs that I, I think that all of you know, but you're going to learn Hebrew. Um, maybe for the first time in your life. I will try to slow down when we sing together the Hebrew. The words are going to be on the screen with transla translation so you'll know what you're singing. Um, but let's worship our king. When he came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, everybody said, Hosanna, or in Hebrew, Hoshana. Hoshana Bamromim. Hosanna in the highest. And in Hebrew, the actual meaning means save us, you who are in the highest. And that is what we want to call out to our Lord and King and Savior. We want to say, come and save us, you who are in the highest, and you are welcome in this place. In this place, our King be lifted up. Amen? Okay, so join me.
I felt the Lord wanting me to stand, to sing this um, Aaronic blessing over you. So I'm going to do it in Hebrew. And it's a lot of of those. So you'll probably not be able to follow me along. But as I sing this over you, I pray that the Lord's presence would just fill your hearts. That you would feel him and know his deep, deep, deep love that he has for every single one of you. And then we'll sing it in English, okay?
seated. Thank you so much, Karen, for leading us this morning. Uh, I had mentioned at the beginning of the service, if you have room next to you, you can scoot in a little bit. We'd appreciate that. We have folks that are still looking for some chairs, so if you have room there. Um, we're going to move into a time of, of discussion with uh, some of our missions partners that are here. And so we have two different um, kind of panel discussions with some questions uh, for our missions partners that are here. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to them. I'm going to give just a quick little bio of each of the partners. And if you're one of our partners for the first panel, when I announce your name, uh, you can make your way up to the stage, similar to if I'm announcing like the starting lineup uh, for, <laughs> for an event. Um, and however you want to enter the stage, you can do that, okay? Uh, but uh, first, we're going to have Steve Bailey. Uh, Steve served for years on the field in Latin America and now oversees member care for Encompass. Uh, we use Steve's material every year here at Maranatha with our leadership. Uh, if you want to know how God has blessed us with a church staff that works well as a team, part of the answer is we use Steve's biblical principles of teamwork, something that he prepared. Uh, Nathan wrote this bio, and he said, Steve's a legend. So Steve, come on up here. Let's welcome Steve Bailey. Pick up 
Pick a chair, any chair. With a microphone, please. Next, we have Igor Valachinenko. And I hope I pronounced the last name somewhat correctly. But Igor pastors and evangelizes in Transnistria in Eastern Europe. Uh, he has been a huge help recently to Ukrainian refugees coming over the border, helping provide for their needs. Uh, every update he sends, there always seems to be someone getting baptized. And he has a tremendous heart for evangelism. Um, if you don't know the Lord, you want to make sure you talk to Igor today without, before you leave. Uh, he is an evangelist. And uh, ask about the gospel uh, with Igor. But let's welcome Igor to the stage as he's here. Thank you, Igor. Next, we have John Reeser. John serves in Mazatlan, Mexico, leaving, leading Shoulder to Shoulder, a ministry that empowers local churches to be a light in their community by equipping pastors. Uh, he brought their whole crew here with them, the whole crew, van full that drove up from Mazatlan to be with us. Mexican and uh, from, from Mexico. Mexican party bus. Mexican party bus, John says. <laughs> and uh, he's a big people person. Just be careful of John's hugs. Because he picks you up and shakes you around like a little rag doll when you hug him. So let's welcome John Reeser to the stage. And then Stefan Silver, uh, who pastors at Kareem L. Congregation in Haifa, Israel, uh, with a focus on discipleship in that church. And uh, Stefan's wife, Karen, that was leading us this morning. And uh, it's just a, a privilege to have him here as well. Uh, fun fact, Nathan included here, he is coming from New Zealand, and he is a good surfer, is what Nathan said. So let's welcome inspiring. Stefan up here as well. All right. So the way that uh, the panel is going to work, gentlemen, is that I am going to uh, first and foremost and most importantly have a timer. And, uh, and so once our time is up, our time is up and uh, we will escort you forcefully off the stage if we need to uh, at that point in time. I'm kidding. Uh, just for housekeeping, if I say cut his mic, cut his mic. Uh, if he's going too long, I won't do that. But if I have to, I will. Um, we have a number of questions uh, that we're going to look at uh, today. Um, three in particular that we're hoping to get to. But if we don't, it's okay. Uh, we want to take our time on these questions. And we want to hear from uh, each of you in, in the context of where you're ministering. And so um, you don't need to be polite that if, if you hear a question and right away you want to jump in, jump in. Uh, if you want to be the first. So you don't have to wait for each other to be the first here. So question number one, what are three words to describe the challenge of evangelism and discipleship where you serve? So if you had to have three words to describe the challenge of evangelism and discipleship, what would those words be? I would say, uh, I'm going to make it four, sorry. Uh, the first one is the hard, hardness of man's heart always is number one. Uh, for us, in the context in which we're in, syncretism is uh, a big issue, a challenge. Legalism is a big challenge, and false gospels. Syncretism basically is adding Jesus to what you already have as a belief system, and we know that Jesus is the only way. Um, legalism is where you depend on works that you do to be good enough to make it, and we know that Jesus is the only way. Um, false gospels, oftentimes you have the gospel preached, but there's things inside that that people focus, in, focus, focus on, um, such as um, uh, the, uh, the miracles and signs for salvation. And so those are the, the ones, the, th the things that I feel like in our context would impede or challenge us as far as the gospel. I'll uh, probably say, first of all, spiritual blindness uh, in Israel. And this, this is not my uh, concept or my idea. This is uh, the, apostles, the Apostle Paul's idea. 
Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 to 16, he says that blindness, uh, or the Jewish people have uh, blinds over their eyes, spiritual blindness, uh, until this very day. And he was speaking about that, or writing about that, uh, almost 2,000 years ago. And uh, between then and now, not a lot has changed. Uh, it's very much the same. So definitely spiritual blindness. Uh, the second thing would be misconception about who Jesus is and what the gospel is, what the New Testament is all about. Uh, and that is because of, unfortunately, many years of uh, negative church history and things that were done to the Jewish people in the name of Christ, uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, and so a lot of misconceptions that need to be peeled back and corrected uh, and just uh, to, to give that correct uh, information and, and historical uh, data as well. Uh, and then the last would be uh, betrayal. And that is because in Israel or among the Jewish people, when you become a believer in Jesus, when you become a disciple of the Messiah, uh, you are considered to be uh, uh, to, to betray your own people. Uh, and, and that is uh, something that people feel a lot, uh, especially when they're coming from more of a traditional family or an orthodox home. They can be completely cut off. Many times uh, families will actually put out death notices about their husband, wife, mother, father, children, whoever it may be, uh, saying that they have literally died to them. They will sit uh, for seven days for a mourning period over them uh, and will have absolutely nothing to do with them for sometimes the rest of their lives. Uh, so those would be the three uh, in Israel. When I think about Moldova of rewards, it's uh, first uh, immigration because Moldova is so small country and poor country and uh, about half million, because in Moldova live about three million people, but half population Moldova work abroad. And usually uh, children, so many children live in Moldova without parents, live with grandma, sometimes grandpa, sometimes with babysitters. And uh, every year uh, each churches in Moldova lose uh, maybe 20% people because people would like to receive better life and immigrate. Second word, it's um, war because Moldova stays so close uh, to Ukrainian and so many refugees come from Moldova to the different country. And uh, so many needs. People ask about help, about humanitarian, humanitarian aid and sometimes we don't have chance to uh, cover all people needs uh, but uh, last words it's hope because through that God continue work in our country and like example in this summer uh, 24 people got baptized and nine people uh, is refugees from Ukraine uh, yeah I could echo a lot of things those guys said I was afraid I was going to go last and have to uh repeat what they said but one of the things I like to emphasize we went to Argentina about 35 years ago and began working uh, after a few years been working all over Latin America uh, directing our work there and uh, one of the things I love about Latin culture was Mexico where John is or Argentina where we live there's a lot of things in common about the different cultures every country is a little bit different the Spanish sounds a little bit different uh, but there are also things in common one of the things I love about Latin culture is how close the families are, okay? And uh, when we went to Argentina, one of our goals was to see Argentina become a country that didn't just receive missionaries, but that sent missionaries. And the problem is there's a, there's a conflict between those two things, how close the families are in sending missionaries. Uh, 
because here in the States, uh, it's common to raise your kids up and send them out. In Latin cultures, everybody stays together. Grandma and grandpa live with the families. The family, you raise your kids to be close to you, to take care of you when you get old, and, uh, and to be together. They love to be together in families and gather in families. And one of the, I think it's, uh, I think it's a roadblock to the progress of the Latin American church, capital C, in sending missionaries is how close the families are. People don't want to send their kids. They don't want to give up their kids to missions. And I remember preaching a, what I thought was a very challenging message on missions and the call to go to the nations. And I had a lady come up to me after the service. This is the way I remember it. She might not have actually done this, but she wagging her finger in my face and saying, if you keep preaching like that, my daughter is going to want to go. Didn't want me to preach that. So pray that Latin, Latin I think it can be a tremendous force for world missions if the Latin American church is released. So something different. Appreciate that. It's, I think it's important to understand that there are, there are obstacles and challenges that will stand in the way, and yet the Lord wants us to persevere, right, as we minister and, and be prepared you know, for the, for the perseverance that's needed in that. But why don't we spend a minute just praying uh, specifically for open doors of opportunity that the gospel would be shared. And a lot of these obstacles and difficulties, uh, God would allow there to be a perseverance and a boldness to continue sharing the gospel. So let me pray for you guys. Uh, God, we're thankful again for the work of the ministry that you have called uh, each of these uh, men and their wives, their families to, uh, God, the way that you are using them, uh, Lord, in various parts of the world. Um, Lord, it's challenging uh, all around the world right now, uh, God, because uh, the enemy is hard at work uh, wanting to uh, distort and to lie and to deceive. Uh, God, the enemy is hard at work uh, wanting to dishonor the name of Christ. And uh, we know that the world, apart from Christ, is, is held captive by him. And so we ask, Lord, that uh, these barriers, these obstacles, the difficulties, the hardships that stand in the way of the gospel would be defeated. Uh, God, we would ask for open doors of opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed. We would ask for a softening of hearts and minds to receive the gospel. And we would ask that the Spirit of God, uh, Lord, would take the word of God and transform lives. Uh, God, we want to give you all the glory when that takes place. And so we give you the glory for what you're doing. But we ask for continued boldness patience, long-suffering, God. We ask for continued strength. We ask for continued wisdom uh, for not only our partners on the stage right here, but uh, Lord, so many that are even right now uh, enduring hardship as a soldier of Christ uh, and that there would be continued faithfulness in sharing your word and we would see lives changed because of the work that you have accomplished. And so we lift this to you in Christ's name. Amen. Appreciate you guys sharing on, on that question. Um, kind of leads into a second question that kind of flows from that about the obstacles that are there. Um, how do you go about sharing the gospel where you're at? You know, we've, we've recently really been trying to challenge our church body here of our individual responsibilities to share the good news wherever we're at. But in your context, uh, all different contexts, how do you go about sharing the gospel? What does evangelism look like for you there? Respecting the white hair, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, in Argentina, we, it, in all over Latin America, really, we find that you're not dealing with a blank slate like you are in some places that people don't know anything about Jesus. They know a lot about Jesus. It's just wrong stuff on the, on the blackboard. It's wrong information. So we try to share 
with people what Jesus is really like. We use it as a basis, used for many years, the tool of uh, the seven signs of John. In John chapter 20, Jesus says, Jesus did many other signs which are not recorded in this book, but these are written. These what? These signs are written so that you might believe. If you look in John, there's only seven. Go home and look them up. There's seven signs in the book of John, and each sign tells you something you need to know about Jesus, tells you something about faith, tells you something about trusting in God, and we just felt like we could talk to people all day long about receiving Jesus, but if they're receiving the wrong Jesus, the Jesus of their mind or the Jesus of their religion or their tradition, it's not the Jesus of the Bible. So we want to show them what the Bible says, and generally they respect the Bible, so they'll sit and read, or we, or we would try always to sit and read with families, or maybe just tell them the sign, and with the goal of saying, can I come back next week and tell you another story about Jesus and what he's like. And in some way along the line, obviously, you have to talk about the plan of salvation and how to know this Jesus, but if they don't know who Jesus is, it's, uh, they're not going to be receiving uh, the God, the Jesus of the Bible. So that was a, a main evangelistic tool that we used. A better way for us uh, to share about God personally, because uh, Moldova is Orthodox country, and the Protestant churches is like cold, and uh, we multiply home churches, and much more easy for many people visit us at the home, not in the church. And our vision to multiply uh, churches and our vision one home church for 1,000 people. And usually we use uh, personal evangelism with people. Now we have so many refugees and uh, second way to share about God through help. Together with Summit Missions International, together with in our ministry partners, we help so many refugees. And through that we have a chance to, to bring hope. Uh, first time, uh, people don't want hurt about God. But after maybe one week, uh, second week, uh, one month, people much more open to hurt about God. And through that, we have a chance to speak, uh, to invite people to the church. And third way for us is sport. We have, uh, we organize so many sport activities for students, for teenagers. And through that, so many young people uh, coming to the church and uh, maybe for us it's a uh, good opportunity through sport to share about God so many people. Uh, so I would say uh, the first thing would be love uh, and we know love covers a multitude of sin. Love is like the heavy artillery that softens the heart. Uh, and allows the gospel to more easily penetrate uh, afterwards. And again, that kind of goes back to what has been done in the name of Jesus to the Jewish people over the centuries uh, when believers in Jesus come and love in his name uh, and are his hands and his feet and his mouth uh, and really do the good deeds that he has called us to do and really loving the Jewish people in an unconditional way that is definitely something that helps to overcome uh, any the, the hardness uh, of their heart. I would say the, the second thing is cunning. So Jewish people are quite cunning, and that's why they make for good lawyers. Um, at least that's what they say. And, um, and Paul says the same thing again to the Corinthians. He says, I caught you by cunning, meaning he was, he was a clever guy. Uh, and he used uh, the different tactics that he knew and he had in order to relate and try and... Um, 
uh, reach them with the gospel and with the truth and, and, and uh, use their rhetoric in order to, to speak to them. Uh, and so that's something that we need to do in Israel as well. Uh, definitely use our chutzpah, our cheek, uh, just to be very direct, ask questions, uh, and really utilize opportunities uh, in order to strike up conversations. And probably like it is everywhere around the world, it is very easy to have a conversation about the gospel. Usually after, I've found at least two, three sentences back and forth between uh, myself and someone else, there is something that I can pick up in order to ask a question or to throw a cheeky comment, uh, put a stone in their shoes, so to speak, uh, in order to get them thinking and to get the conversation going in a, in a direction that is aimed uh, more towards the gospel. And then uh, I would also say on top of... Um, that also uh, just um, uh, Jewish apologetics. So apologetics is something that we all know, general Christian uh, faith apologetics, but then there is Jewish apologetics as well. And that goes back to just uh, correcting uh, and, and telling uh, history as it was. Um, many people think that the Holocaust took place uh, in Jesus' name uh, and that the Nazis uh, killed the Jews or murdered the Jews in such a systematic way because that's what Jesus told them to do. Uh, that is what people think. And so there's a lot of Jewish apologetic uh, that needs to be applied usually uh, in order to, to help correct a lot of these misconceptions. Uh, and so definitely Jewish apologetics as well. Uh, I, I very much agree with my brother's uh, first, uh, first statement that love is probably the number one key. Um, first off, do you really love Jesus? If you don't really love Jesus and have a personal close relationship with him, how in the world are you going to share him? Second is, is that God loved these people enough to give his own son's life. And if he did that, how can I not love the people that God puts in front of me? If I can love the person that's in front of me, then I'm going to be able to develop a relationship. And relationship is the second thing. People don't want to hear you come and preach to them how they're wrong. People feel like they have a lot of answers to their lives. And even if they don't, you need to earn the right to be able to speak closely and personally into a person's life. And that is through relationships. So what do we do? We become interested in the person that's in front of us. And what is it about them that makes them tick? What are they suffering with? What are the things in their lives that are important? and be interested, and as that happens, the door opens, and you get an opportunity to share. Um, I, I, I teach evangelism a lot. Uh, we're working with 40 churches in Mazatlan, Mexico, um, and oftentimes I'm asked to come and share about how do you how do, you do evangelism, um, and uh, so I share those things, and then the other, another thing I share with them is that I think oftentimes God gives us so many opportunities to share the gospel, but we're blind to them because they're so busy with everything else in our life. And I encourage people every day in the morning when you get up, ask God for divine appointments in your life that day. And if you do that, he's going to make you aware of the opportunities he puts in your life every single day. And it's not just on the mission field that that, that works. It's right here, guys. You have a mission field right around you here. And it's all around you every single day. And if you want to and you're ready to, ask God to give you those divine appointments. Another thing that I'd like to, uh, to kind of share is that I think it's really important to understand the person or the people that you're working with. Um, different places in the world have whole different world views, different ways of seeing life in the world. Um, there are three major basic uh, worldview systems that, that exist. Ours here in, in the U.S. is a 
um, law and guilt justice system. So when we share the gospel here, we do the four spiritual laws. We've broken the law. You know, that needs to be paid for. We need justice. And so Jesus paid the price, and he paid our price, and he freed us from sin. Um, in Mexico, Mexico is an honor-shame culture. Law and order for them there is, is like way down on the list. Uh, 97% of all crimes committed in Mexico never get prosecuted. Why? Because they're, uh, they're an honor-shame society. So when you think about the gospel, and Jesus uh, walked in the garden, or, or God walked in the garden, where was Adam and Eve? And he hails, where, where are you guys? Oh, we're hiding. Why? Um, we're afraid and we're ashamed. And they needed, they needed covering because they were ashamed. So they were dropped down out of relationship with God, and they were in shame. So in these cultures, if you preach the, the, the four spiritual laws to them, it, it just doesn't hit their heart. Whereas when you, um, when, you, when you share the honor and shame side of the gospel, they're shamed, but you're not shamed forever because Jesus came in and raised you up and gives you honor again. And in that process, you become a part of God's family. Now, instead of being shamed and in the streets, God gives you the right to become adopted into his family. Uh, here I am preaching the gospel. I'm sorry. Um, but those are some really key things in, in sharing the gospel. Um, and you need, when, you're, when you're sharing the gospel, you need to understand the culture that you're in and the worldview and how people, people think and see the world in order to be relevant. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, you know, it's a good reminder for us as a church that God uses his word right, and that his word is, is relevant not just here, it's relevant around the world, but one of the marks of a believer is that we will be known by our love, and the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, and so it's good to hear the consistency, right, of how God uses his word and uses the gospel around the world. Um, we don't have time to get to the third question because John was so long-winded. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> I'm kidding. We are out of time, though. We don't have time Shame. to get to the third to the third que uh, third question here. But let me just again pray uh, for you men that are on here in, as the gospel goes forward. God, again, we're thankful for the truth of the gospel, and uh, it's great to hear, Lord, how you use your word. I think of uh, Steve's comments. You've given us the gospel of John that was written so that we might know. Uh, these things are written so that we might know uh, who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God. Thank you for the way that you use the gospel. Thank you for using each of these men and uh, their families, God. Uh, thank you for the way that you have stirred within them, um, Lord, a desire to serve you and to make you known uh, around the world. And uh, we again ask that uh, as they minister in the days ahead that you would bless their families, uh, bless their ministries, God, uh, that they might see much fruit uh, from the gospel being shared, and uh, that they would point glory back to you, as I know they will, um, because you are the one that's deserving of it, Lord. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Um, we do have uh, another song that Karen is. Are you leading us another song, Karen? You are not. Okay. Uh, that's my fault. Video. That's. I knew there was something. It's a video. Watch this video, please. At Maranatha, one of the things we love to see is how God is blessing our church plants. And so he has been providing buildings for them, and we're excited. We want to give you guys a tour. We, don't, we know you don't usually get to see them, so we're going to give you a tour. That's right, Pastor Nathan. But we also got to remember, it's not about the steeple, it's about the people. So let's go. Well, first, we're here at Grace Bible Church with Pastor Kerry Duckett. And 
awesome stuff happening at Grace. Tell us about yeah. the church first and then the big news that you guys Absolutely. have. Absolutely. So Grace Bible Church is finding new and better ways to connect with the community. And uh, we are doing all kinds of things with our schools, with the police department, uh, and different things to, to reach out here at Grace. But the new thing that's happening is uh, the International Welcome Center. In fact, we're standing in the International Welcome Center right now, our brand new building. Uh, the IWC has been in existence for about four years. Uh, but this building is only a couple of weeks old, and so we use it to reach out to the refugees and immigrants who are resettling here in the Akron area. That's awesome. Pastor, I know there's a lot going on with the church and the International Welcome Center, but uh, what are you thankful for? Uh, what God is doing in your church and in the International sure, Welcome Center? Sure, I, I would say at Grace Bible Church, uh, what I'm most thankful for is just the, the people, our body of believers here, uh, because they've been so open to this idea that God has placed us here to minister to a group of people, refugees and immigrants in the Akron area, who are many times marginalized and vulnerable in our society, and, and our people have just embraced them and embraced this idea. When it comes to the IWC, I'm gonna say it's the same thing, it's the people, because the IWC is, is heavily dependent upon volunteers, and IWC volunteers, oh my goodness, they, they just do so much to become the friend of someone that they can't even speak English with. So I'm just thankful for those folks. That's awesome. Well, we're here at Bridge Bible Church with Pastor Dave Dixon. Uh, so excited to be in their new building. Uh, we know that there's more going on here than just the building, though, Dave, right? Right. Well, we do love the building, but it's about the people. Uh, we got to move to a new neighborhood, so we've made some new friends, seen some new folks come to our church, take uh, membership and get involved. And the most exciting thing is seeing them plugged into community, life groups, and uh, really becoming a part of our church family. Awesome. Pastor Dave, I know there's a lot going on in the life of the church, uh, but what's one thing you're thankful for that God has been doing here? Uh, a couple of things we've seen is some pretty remarkable salvations. Uh, we've had uh, salvations and baptisms. We had a gentleman uh, who's actually upper 60s, uh, called me, wanted to get some counseling. His son had passed away. Uh, he came to Christ in the spring and then uh, was baptized in July. And then just after the service the other day, a uh, little guy sought me out and said, how do I become a Christ follower? So mm -hmm. he prayed to receive Jesus. Uh, and there was even some guys that left uh, for college that went to a Christian school, called me and said, hey, I realized I wasn't a Christian and became a Christ follower at their new school. So uh, we just are so excited that we see God saving people that are connected with our ministry. Praise the Lord. Well, we're here at Mission View Church in North Canton. Pastor Matt Haup, thankful for you. And tell us about this building that we're in here. Oh, man, it's been amazing. Um, I want to say a quick thank you to Butch personally. Uh, when we went to move into this building, um, well, we were thinking about buying this building. I met with Butch and was very nervous about, you know, the renovation, the cost, and different things. And I'll never forget when he said, where the Lord leads, the Lord provides. And that was kind of solidified everything as I went back to the elders and just really challenged them and, and felt challenged myself to to take that step of faith to, to purchase a building. It was God really used Maranatha, Butch personally, to, to inspire us forward to follow God's leading. So, But it's been amazing, amazing facility. Uh, location is better than we ever imagined, close to Price Park, and people walk by and come in the church throughout the week. Just, hey, this used to be a terrible-looking building. Now it's really nice, and we just wanted to check it out. So it's been a huge outreach for us, too. Really great. So. That's awesome. So, Pastor, I know there's a lot happy in the life of the church, and God's doing great things, but what's one thing that you're just thankful that God is doing here? Yeah, I think right now it has to step back to the building. Um, this last year, we've seen amazing growth. Uh, 
200 new people added to the church in the last year. Uh, we had a record amount of baptisms that we celebrated just two weeks ago, and we've had a record amount of new members coming into membership of the church in the last year. Just phenomenal that we'd see that kind of outpouring. So that's probably what we're most thankful for. And, it, and the challenges that brings to, yeah. you know, yeah. opportunities we call them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, awesome. Good. It's been awesome. Well, we're here at Community Bible Church in Canal Fulton, Pastor Joel Strout. And tell us a little bit about where we are here. Yeah, so we are standing in the sanctuary of a building that God provided for us right at the beginning of COVID-19, actually. So it's a blessing that it got us out of the school system uh, and into our own building where we can have repeated opportunities to share the gospel with those in Canal Fulton, as well as those in Tusla and Lawrence Township. It's perfectly located to give us that opportunity. Pastor, I know there's a lot going on uh, that God is doing in the church, but what's one thing that you're thankful for that God is doing here? Yeah, super thankful that God's growing us, not just numerically, but also in depth. Uh, we're seeing our community groups that are really healthy and our uh, numbers there, but we're also really excited that we're seeing those come out of our community groups and make disciples in smaller circles. And so all of that's possible because of what God's been doing in the faithfulness of our people and in their um, ability to buy into the vision of making disciples and make disciples. Well, we are here at 539 Church in Goodyear Heights with our very own pastor, Mike Duma, and so excited about your launch. Actually, it reminded me a lot about Maranatha. I was there the first Sunday when Maranatha launched. Just all these people, all the excitement, and so you guys had an awesome launch too right here. Yeah, yeah. God has been very good to us. Uh, we had our launch uh, Sunday morning on September 18th, uh, so a couple weeks ago, and we've uh, gotten moving here at uh, 539, and God has just been so good to us uh, with the building we have and with uh, the people we've seen really coming to know Christ in the first a uh, month or so as a church, and also seeing uh, some baptisms as well. Uh, we've been so, so encouraged. Awesome. Yeah. So, Pastor, I know God's doing a lot of things here in this church, but what's one thing that you're thankful for that God is doing? Yeah, I think out of all of the, the stuff that God's really been doing, I think the thing that I'm most thankful for is just the team uh, that we have around to help uh, to really do the work of ministry here, along with our staff. Uh, having a few staff members helping has just been uh, a huge blessing to lighten the load and also to minister to a wide range of people and have a family ministry. We're just very blessed with the people that have come with us from Maranatha. They provide a lot of uh, support and strength, being able to serve, and so uh, it's just a true, true blessing. Yeah. So it's been awesome seeing what God is doing in our church plants. We're glad that uh, you can see how he is working and glad that you can come along for a tour with us. Just some exciting updates uh, to see how the Lord is at work in each of our uh, church plants and appreciate your faithfulness in praying and giving that we can send these teams out and see churches established uh, in the neighboring communities. So continue to uphold them in prayer. Um, we got to keep things moving for our second panel. So I'm going to do some introductions here. Uh, same format as last time when I announce your name, you can make your way up to the stage. Um, Seton Lee is a survivor of the killing fields in Cambodia. And he leads Transform Asia, a multifaceted ministry there proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Uh, since he was last here, his radio ministry has exploded, reaching all throughout the country with his Bible teaching. Uh, Dr. Lee has both medical and theological training and quite a sense of humor, Nathan says. So we're glad to have Seton. Let's welcome him this morning. 
Uh, we're also thankful to have Josh Whitman here. Josh pastors the Rock Church in Imola, Italy. And uh, Nathan's description for you, Josh, was very short. He said, Bruce, you know Josh. I'm sure you've got something for him. And so Josh has been faithfully serving in Italy and uh, reaching out to people there in a lot of creative ways. He's involved in so many different aspects of community involvement and using those relationships that he establishes uh, to be able to share the gospel and see people come to know Christ. And I'm just so thankful for the work that he and Sarah and their children are doing there. So let's welcome Josh Whitman from Imola. Uh, Steve Larson is one of our original missions partners from Maranatha. He's been investing in Myanmar pastors and churches since the early 90s, which means he started that ministry when he was 10 years old, Nathan said, right, Steve? So let's welcome Steve to the stage. And then Scott Carter. Scott serves as a ministry partner in Eurasia, resourcing them and helping plant churches that plant churches. Uh, Scott goes places that we can't even pronounce, and we're thankful for his sacrifice and perseverance over the years. So please welcome uh, these men. Welcome Scott and the rest of the panel that's up here. We appreciate them being here. Um, so good to have you guys here. So we're going to use the same format. Uh, we just have uh, 15 minutes that we're going to go through three questions. And if we don't get through all three of them, that's okay. If you guys feel like you need to spend a little bit more time on one of the questions, uh, I don't want you to feel rushed in your response. So um, we do have uh, just a number of questions that we'll try to work through. So here we go. Panel discussion number two. Uh, the first question of what would be three words to describe planting a church in your area. So when you're specifically thinking about or think about planting churches in your area, what would be words that you would use to describe that? And any of you men can jump in when you want to. Well, in Cambodia, it's basically it's a community type of uh, society. Family is pretty big. It's getting bigger than I can imagine. Like I have 14 siblings. My mom is very busy. Uh, I have the same dad and same mom. So it's not two or three mom, but there's only one mom, but I have 14 kids. So I'm, I'm number six. So we have a, and then mom and dad, when we finish, <laughs> I mean, when we are growing up and married, they don't want us to leave the house. So it will be multiplied. So basically, so thing that we have to talk about the three things. Number one is love. Number one, uh, number two, it will be a, uh, we keep our communication going. So it's the same thing as, as planning church. So love, communicate it, and then three is assuring that we are not going to be separated. We're going to be the same. When we believe in God, our family is still one unit. Our society is still one. I'll give our three. Um, so I would say the first one would be unrealistic expectations. So we, we assume we're sharing the gospel. People will accept the gospel and they will follow Christ. Uh, but Italians are really not interested. So uh, that would be the first word, uh, church planting in our area. Uh, we, uh, we have these expectations, but unfortunately they're not met. So then they need to be uh, corrected. So uh, expectation correction. And so we, we move back to God's word and we see that he will, he will work. Uh, he will continue working and uh, he will work with our faithfulness in sharing the gospel uh, in our area. And so we come to the last word, which would be the divine expectation. Christ will build his church. Uh, God will uh, work in a mighty way. He will touch people's hearts. 
So we just need to be faithful in sharing the gospel, living out the gospel in our context. Uh, we're very involved in the community because Italy is, is all about community. Uh, so as we plant churches, uh, just investing in the community, getting to know people, and having those relationships where we can actually share the gospel with them. Um, answer it a little bit differently. Uh, I thought of a three-word phrase, uh, lift them up. Yeah, there's so many things in Myanmar that keep the people beaten down. Oppression from spirit world, uh, spirit worship is part of the tribal culture. Oppression uh, from the military government, oppression from the Burmese Buddhists, uh, keep them beaten down. Poverty uh, is, is, uh, uh, has a stranglehold on much of the population. Uh, and the, the uh, just... Lack of medical care, disease uh, keeps keeps them oppressed, keeps them down, and so the the church planting efforts are: what do we need to do in this village? What do we need to do in this city to lift them up off of the the oppression that they're they're feeling through through good works, through um, care. Uh, our brothers before this said love is the key, and. Uh, expressing that kind of care, loving care, through actual activity that, that lifts them up. Uh, our context is Central Asia, and the predominant uh, overwhelming worldview is Islam. <clears throat> and um, I salute all of you. Uh, you are my heroes for doing three. I could not reduce it to three. But um, uh, the first one I came up with is organic. Um, most churches that we work with are house churches, and they are extremely organic. That is the typical, that is the overwhelming societal um, unit, and that's what people are most familiar with, and it works extremely well in that context. Uh, not all churches are that way, but that's the overwhelming one. A second word is risky. <clears throat> uh, a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, a lot of believers in North America are, in many ways, it seems to be increasingly risk-averse. Um, unfortunately, uh, Jesus is not, uh, or fortunately, I might say. Fortunately, he is not, um, because if he was not, then he never would have come to this earth, and none of us would have ever been saved. But um, uh, church planning is risky there uh, for many, many reasons. Um, but uh, uh, that leads to prayerfulness. That's the third word. Uh, without prayer, not, not just without prayer, but prayer is the bedrock uh, of church planting there. Um, I've seen many, many churches planted primarily because of prayer, not because of a great strategy, sometimes a total absence of strategy beyond prayerfulness. Um, but prayerfulness is critical. And then I had two other ones that I, I just couldn't eliminate them. Uh, one is uh, collaborative. Uh, almost everything we do there is uh, team-oriented. <clears throat> um, even though they're house churches, they're primarily team-planted. <clears throat> and I could go into that more, but I couldn't because there's no time. But um, it, it's extremely collaborative. It's not, it's not a one-man show in any sense of the term. And finally, the last word is amazing. Uh, anytime there's a church established anywhere in the world, uh, it's a God thing. Um, just like the birth of any child is a God thing, the birth of any church is a God thing. You, you can do all sorts of things to try to encourage that process, but it ain't happening unless God does it. 
ultimately. And so uh, we, we are so incredibly grateful to God to be able to be part of um, God's husbandry, God's uh, midwifery, you might call it, uh, in many, many cases. But it, it's amazing. Appreciate that. It, it, it sounds like in each context, um, when it comes to church planting, there are challenges, right? Um, Josh, your, your word of expectations, um, sometimes I think we can be guilty in our personal evangelism, right? When we, when we talk to folks of what we're expecting to see happen and sometimes even say, well, I'm not going to share if, if my expectations aren't going to be met. But that's in the Lord's hands and it's the Lord that has to do that work. So with all the challenges that you have seen in ministry and church planting, how have you seen God's faithfulness? Um, how have you seen God at work? Is there a story of God's faithfulness that you would want to share this morning uh, just with the church of how you've seen his faithfulness? I'll start so I don't forget mine. Uh, so we've, we've gone through some very difficult times as a church plan there in Imola, Chiesa La Rocca. Uh, but uh, when we were very discouraged, God would send little, little encouragements to keep us going. And I'll share one story, a story of Alessandra. She's actually from Milan, from the north, and she moved to our area. Uh, we got to know her. She accepted Christ. And this was about eight years ago. Sara, my wife, started discipling her. Uh, and we would talk about baptism, and she would keep on saying, no, I'm just, I'm just not ready. I, I can't do it. Uh, so we finally understood that it was, uh, there was a lot of family pressure. Uh, her parents uh, were very scared that she was now part of this cult, this evangelical cult, and they did not want to see any progress in, in, in her life in that sense. Uh, but this September, she got baptized. Um, so I had the, just the joy of baptizing Alessandra, and her mom was, uh, said a very interesting sentence. She said, well, at least she's not a drug addict. So that was, that was her comment. So you can pray for her family, for Alessandra's family, that they would understand that she is following Christ, she's living for Christ, uh, and it's actually a good thing in her life. Uh, so you can pray for her parents. Well, one, one of the uh, stories that I have pertains to the Maranatha family one of the biggest well, one of the biggest challenges in an impoverished culture like that are re, access to resources. And one of my favorite authors, Bob Goff, says, uh, "We're not limited by what we don't have; we're limited by what we don't use." And their efforts are always using everything that they have. I, I tend to default on focusing on what I don't have. Uh, but working with orphans is one of the good works efforts in in uh, uh, entering into a village or a city, meet the need, what, what's going to lift them up, orphan care is, is very much a need. And there's a family who de dedicated themselves to caring for orphans. And they took orphans into their home. And they started with two, and then four, and then six. And then they had to get a larger home, and eight, and then ten. And their dream was always to have a, a large home of children who are orphaned either by poverty, their culture, or, or their parents are, are truly dead, um, but very limited resources. But they used what they had to the fullest extent. Their first prayer, all the children together every morning, they had a ten, list of 10 prayers. The top one was, God provide our every need. God provide our every need. Every day started with God provide our every need. And they were joyful and happy with that. They're praying in Myanmar on the other side of the world, uh, God provide every need. There's a, a member of your church who is praying to God saying, you've given me this wealth, 
I want to use it to care for orphans. I don't know where to send it. He talks to Butch, said, do you know anybody that's in a ministry that's doing orphan care that uh, would need some money? And Butch thought of me. And he said, do you have anybody that needs I said, yeah, we have a lot of, I mean, it's lifting them up. It's, uh, but there's this family, and described that. He said, well, send me a summary, and uh, I didn't hear back. I didn't hear back until we received a check in the mail for the money needed to build, buy the land, build the orphanage, and care for about 30 orphans. And I got to deliver that. And it's like, I had no faith. I said, this is poor. I don't have any money. And nobody knows has any money. Butch doesn't have any money. (laughs) All that. Uh, I'm joking about that. He's fine. Um, And it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars that was transferred into their, we actually built two orphanages. One of them is named Maranatha Children's Center. In, in, in honor of, of the donation and just saying, I, it's unbelievable. I didn't talk to anybody about this. I never shared the need. I never talked about over and care to anybody, but God put it on the heart of a man responding to the spirit of God who was listening to the children saying, God provide her every need. That's amazing to me. Um. Most of the uh, partners that we have in Central Asia, they're all former Muslims. And uh, most of them, when they first think about getting involved in more visible ministry, uh, it's a rough process, a rough journey for them to to work through a bunch of issues in terms of um, faith in God and confidence that he's going to provide in every way. And uh, there's a few people that don't seem to go through that process. They seem to come prepared, which is awesome, but it's also pretty rare. Um, But what is really cool is when you see that those same people that at one point look like deer in the headlights phenomenon going on, when sometimes it's over time, sometimes it's almost instantaneous with some action, you see this is a different person in front of me today. And they're not asking the same questions. They're not wondering the same things. They're going. Whatever they believe God wants them to do, they're, they're just going. And um, I've seen that happen multiple times with people that uh, had many, many questions at one point. And now it's just like, what? What questions? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was there. But no, this is me now. And um, God's, God's at work. And I've seen that many, many times. And to... Um, and a second thing, very briefly, we, um, I, I was just, I love this question because we were giving it ahead of time. And um, so I was just thinking about it. And I was thinking of multiple people that, that God has worked in their lives. But as I was thinking about them, I realized, okay, that person, that person. I came up with about six people that are some of our main partners, not all of our partners, but some of the main ones. Every single one of them today, we have an advantage that we've been doing this for a number of years. And so we've been able to see them grow and God use them and change them. And every single one of the people that I came up with, not only are they very uh, gifted and blessed in church planning, but every single one of them today 
is reaching out cross-culturally as well. And these are all people that you have to understand, every single one of them, maximum, there's one half of 1% evangelical believers in their own people group, maximum. Most of them are less than that. Most of them are two-tenths of a percent or less. And yet, uh, every single one that I could come up with, uh, or th that I did come up with, is not only that they've been involved in uh, planning churches in their own people group, but also they're doing that cross-culture, which is um, phenomenal to me. So I'm just extremely grateful for the question and also to be able to see what God's doing. Yeah. Well, uh, two years ago in December this year, <laughs> I got on the radio. I never been trained to be a radio speaker or anything like that, never been trained to be on television. And I was frustrated, just like anybody in the world, frustrated with COVID. I left Cambodia, just COVID hit Cambodia, and the word went around, the rumors saying there's going to be shut down and everything, including the airline. So my airplane is leaving. <laughs> and I asked my wife, she have another uh, trip three days after me on a different airline. And I told her, I said, let's fly together because we don't know what's going to happen. She said, that's okay. You don't trust God. Stay. Three more days, I see you in America. So two more years, I saw her in America. <laughs> Actually, we have not seen each other. So she's in Cambodia. I'm in America. So we were split up for two years almost. And uh, it's basically, it's, it was frustrating for me to, to be in a separate country in, in during this unknown disease that's coming around the world, just like anybody in the world. So I'm, so please don't, I'm not suggesting to do the same thing as me. The first person I'm complaining to was Jesus. So I was screaming, yelling, kicking, and everything. <laughs> I collapsed, I fell down in the house, I was mad at him. Because uh, I said, first of all, you saved both of us from the killing field, now you left her there and I'm here. That's number one. Number two, you are calling us out of this world to go and preach the gospel. Who I'm going to preach to? I have nowhere to go. I'm locked down. There's some uh, mistaking here in America. They say all the Asians, you are Chinese, go home because you bring COVID to America. <laughs> that was another thing my son and daughter told me. Don't leave the house. They're going to hit you because they think you're from China. So anyway, I, I've been... You know, there are people, I went to a grocery shopping, they call me Chinese, go home. So that's everywhere. So I don't speak Chinese, <laughs> and I don't have home there. So that's a frustration that I have, so I got more angry with God. I was like, what's wrong with you? You don't know what you're doing. Uh, can you just give me some opportunity to preach? I can't preach to anybody because I can't go anywhere. <laughs> so anyway, I got called from Cambodia. And there was a man on the other line who was a minister of information that's on the cabinet with the prime minister cabinet. And I say, how in the world you know me? He said, we follow you all of this year. We throw you in jail multiple times. You're still coming back. And you, you preach to our official. And many of the jail officials come to the Lord. And you have your own ministry in prison. So I said, well, why not? You know, mosquito have a good time when I'm there, so I might as well have a good time preaching. <laughs> so that's what I do. So Chuck Colson, did you know his name? I met him in Amsterdam. He said, Sitan, I know you work for my ministry. I said, sir, can you tell? I know exactly what he said. He said, you work for ministry. I said, really? Can you explain what, what your ministry do? He said, you don't have to ask me. You know what I'm doing. I said, yeah, your ministry, you get to go home. 
I'm staying there. <laughs> so my ministry, I stay there. I can't go home. I'm an inmate. So anyway, long story short, so this guy called and said, uh, I want you to do a radio talk show. I said, that's alien to me. What, what are you talking about? He's, and then we negotiate for three hours on the phone and uh, uh, come to the point, he said, there's a lot of young people got killed. Uh, they, they hang themselves, they commit suicide, they, they jumped from a three-story high building. They just frustrated because of the lockdown. And yet, there's adults, there's people in all age, all sex, I mean, male, female, uh, everywhere, are killing themselves. There's suicide during the killing field because of the lockdown. And we believe that you can help us. If you can get on the radio, and I will give you a couple hours airtime, Monday to Friday, to do the radio, maybe you can help stop the, the suicide. So anyway, long story short, I said, well, the only thing I can offer is that you allow me to read the Bible, the scripture, and, and then he said, well, you have to read, uh, he asked a lot of questions and finally come to the conclusion, he said, okay, fine. You read scripture half of the time I give you, and then you have to open uh, for question and answer about life. I said, that's fine. I don't have any answers. He said, well, that's interesting. <laughs> I say, I don't have a philosophy. I don't have anything. But Jesus, the Savior, he have all the answers because of scripture that he's the one who write it and he's still alive and he stand behind his word. So he created you and me. He said, me? I said, yeah, you too, Mr. High Excellency or whatever his name is. I say, you too. He created you whether you believe it or not. He did. And I didn't believe that before. Now I do. I have to. <laughs> because he, he really is still alive. And then anyway, so I started. See, Tom, we got 60 seconds. Okay. Before we get Last year I started. <laughs> now it's two years later I'm still on the radio. So I finished all New Testament all the way to Revelation. Now I'm on Exodus chapter 7 tonight. So I'll be talking on the radio tonight, and there are people from different walk of life, from people in the, in the tribal area all the way to the palace. The king is my audience. Uh, he's the king of Cambodia, and he moved me to the prime time now. So I'm on in the morning prime time, and you can hear everywhere in the country the, the talk show. It's about life and God doing wonderful things. So it's not one story, it's a million stories. So there are a million people are listening across the world who speak Cambodian. So thank God for that. Amen. Yeah. Well, I wish, I wish we had more time here for more discussion up here, but there is time with our partners at their tables. And so you don't have to rush out of here today. Uh, spend some time getting to know the men and women around these tables and ask about what God is doing uh, as they are serving him. But let's pray together and then we'll be dismissed. And again, uh, take the time to visit our partners' tables today. Uh, Lord, we're grateful and thankful for what you're doing around the world. Um, we have no explanation, Lord, other than to say this is what you are doing. Uh, we cannot in and of ourselves do these things, uh, but you can. And so we thank you for your faithfulness that is great, for your mercies that are new every morning. And God, that uh, you are so faithful uh, to your people and that you will accomplish all that you have promised to accomplish in your word. We trust you with it. Thank you for these men and women, their families, uh, for their faithfulness to you. We ask your blessing on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for being here. Uh, you are dismissed. Good morning and Maranatha. You don't have to rush out.